Hello everyone, welcome to Off Good Ireland um, podcast. Tonight we'll be speaking with Maura Gotts for review. Um, uh, Maura Gotts is an outspoken nationalist and social commentator based in the UK. He has a great YouTube, Telegram and Substack and the links are on the Off Grid channel under the advert for this podcast. Uh, welcome to Off Grid Ireland, Maura Gotts. Maura. Right, good to have you. No problem. Uh, thanks for the invite. I'm looking forward to having a, a nice chat. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, just to start off there, uh, give us a quick rundown on the state affairs in the UK at the minute regarding the, the gimme grints, as we call them, uh, coming across the channel. Well, um, it, it's, it's it's bad. It's it's really bad. Um, the, we're running at for the last couple of years, like there's the basics is about a million a year, though most of the attention seems to go down on the what whatever's happening on the south coast with dinghies coming over from France. And um, there's this kind of whole discussion about for some reason that they're, they're, they're all coming from Albania, which I've never really I've never understood. I've never understood how they can just do that uh, albania is not at war they go through france france is a safe country well except for the diversity they've already got um and it's, it's the whole thing is just baffling to me and it's they're putting them up in five-star hotels i think most people will be aware of this it's it's just outrageous um and this has been thrown into the mix along with we're having an energy crisis and there's rampant inflation and there's a general sense of uncertainty in the uh, in the in the air at the same time, and it's 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 disgusting. But I, I mean, what I've been focusing on um, recently is is like what I, what actually is going on. Why is it that the government stopped caring, or even I mean, I don't think they've cared for a very long time. But it's it's this strange world where, where that you have to actually exist in where. Your government is essentially at war with you on, on on like multiple fronts at the same time. Um, so this is what I've been exploring quite a bit in recent written articles and um, on YouTube and things like that. That's kind of like what I'm digging into at the moment. Yeah, a hundred percent. You done a good video there recently. You were talking about the, the circle and their involvement. I don't know if they're actually involved in Ireland. What's going on? But it's a very similar situation there, what you're after describing. Like, we have homeless uh, teenagers dying in tents, while these, for want of a better word, assholes are coming in uh, purely for economic reasons. And they are being put up in four and five stars hotels, fully catered for, living lavish, is what I say. Um, what's the deal with Sarko over there? So, yeah, um, it, was a, it was a month or two back that I did the video, but basically, I mean, it relates to another video that I did more recently about this being malicious and they're not incompetent. But so Circo is um, just like a corporation. And what, what they do is um, rent out properties or they'll pay, they'll, they'll pay rents on properties and then they'll decide who goes in there. Um, what, they, what they're doing is basically waving a load of money in the faces of landlords um, and, and the deals are extraordinary as well. You'll get like a five-year contract 
Um, and if if anything breaks, Circa will pay for everything. They were even um, I'm trying to think back because it was a like a month or two back. But even the the the, the council tax was going to be paid by Circle, uh, and this was like basically if you if you bring in these refugees, if you house these immigrants. So what that means is it it, it creates an incentive for landlords, because because normal normal British people just can't uh, compete with that that deal that offer, uh, where it'll be like much more rent than they can ever pay. Um, and then there's the just it's just such a sweet deal for a landlord when you tot it all up. So what it does is create an incentive for the landlord to evict people who are in there um, in order to house immigrants. Now this is where like on on you know the, like the Twitter lefties were saying, well, the land it, it the landlord isn't being forced to take immigrants, so they create this straw man, you know. And and it's true he's not being forced, but because these are retards and they don't understand incentive structures. Well, well, I mean, well, they do when they don't like them, but in this, what they'll do is is what I coined the term a hatchling. It's where you've got to you've got to like explain just basic reality to people, uh, in, in because they'll deliberately play it dumb. They'll deliberately say, well, nobody's forcing the landlord to take. Well, no, they're not. But it, if you're going to waive. Uh, thousands and thousands of pounds and you're going to make them rich then they're going to do it they're going to take the money and they're going to live with the guilt but what what's kind of sinister is that when you look at the this is seen um by a lot of these these sort of the daily mail and that that this is some kind of immediate reaction to what's happening with the situation on the south coast um, I mean, it's in the news now, but when you actually go and you have a look at Circo's website, they were they were sailing, they, they were getting contracts off the British government years ago. And I, I've got to be careful because it was something like 2018 or 2019. Um, and they got they got so many millions. And, and the strange thing is, like, that wouldn't have happened. So, so it's as if the government knew that you know, they, they were going to start and do this. Like, because if there was no, if the government actually did what they were voted to do, which was massively reduce immigration, then this this would never have been uh, this contract would never have been dished out because there wouldn't have been any immigrants coming in in the first place. So you can see, like, this is where it gets sinister. This is where you see just how sadistic and venal. The government is because they've known all along that all of these people were coming in and if they didn't they wouldn't have signed that contract with circo now circo is actually and this is just one company there's lots of them um so so what this does in turn is because you've got a big company who donates to the tory party um they 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 want their you know they want their piece of the pie now they they've they've actually paid for the tory party they they've given the money the tory party's then given them a contract to house immigrants and it's kind of like well circle will be ringing up and sending emails and saying where's our immigrants you know we had a deal here and and now they're getting it but this is only to look at that particular story of corruption i think all of it is part of a much much darker and uh, and grander picture i mean the biggest the biggest donors to the tory party are uh, construction companies which is again you'll see it's it's in this um 
in the building sector like like you know it, it's still to do with housing and all of this so so we 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 cannot build the houses fast enough it's a similar situation in ireland but you'll see again that um the tories have got no uh, incentive to reduce immigration when all of their big donors want the the, the borders open um yeah i mean I, I, there's even then what's happened over the last couple of years is it, even taken into account this kind of standard neoliberal grift complex what's happening now the sheer numbers is is of a different order i mean i kind of stopped talking for a while as much about immigration because I was of the opinion that it, it had been running steady at about 300,000 a year or something. And my kind of view on it was, well, I, I don't want it to happen. Um, I think it should be reversed uh, and, and all of the rest of it. But it seems as if they've hit maximum capacity. Like, it seems like even if they wanted to bring more in, they couldn't because just the logistics of housing all of these people, you know, just, just like being pragmatic about it and finding the hundreds of thousands of, of uh, houses or rented uh, properties or all of this the, the fact that you have you've got to process these people into the system and I kind of thought well the system has reached sort of maximum capacity of betrayal um and and like ignoring the wishes of the British people but it turns out I was wrong and they trebled it it was like it was it, it, it was like when R two D two fixes the hyperdrive in the Millennium Falcon and it just goes into warp drive and you I've never seen anything so now it went up by a factor of three and what's interesting is that in if you look at the um, in in twenty twenty during the the year of the lockdown there there was actually a, a, quite a sizable drop in the amount of people that were coming in now I don't believe that for a second that that was actually anything to do with the conservative party i think that was just everywhere was locked down it was difficult to get around people were staying in there was just less movement in general and so you had lower numbers and then in 2021 the numbers just goes through the roof and when you look at and i saw a graph of this as well and it, it's it's like they, they are letting more immigrants in in 2021 and 2022 to make up for the shortfall in 2020. Again, like it, they, they were voted in to reduce immigration. This is this is it's just disgusting, absolutely disgusting. Yeah, without a doubt. And what you mentioned there about uh, Circle and that, and I don't I don't know much about them, but they actually come on my radar a few times over the years. To me, they are. I, I can imagine what's going on there. I'd say there's a lot of crossover between people getting jobs for the boys in it. I'd say there's all sorts of uh, skullduggery going on. I think what you were saying there as well, it's uh, it's perverse incentives, you know. So like you said there, I don't know. I could be wrong, but are they providing the dinghies for these people? Are they providing? Are they are they providing the the life jackets? Or are they are they? It just seems that they're up to their neck as well. I don't. I don't understand what there's. There's something. I don't. I don't think so. But there's. There's. There's something else weird about this. Um, there's some kind of connection with Tony Blair and various elites in in, in the British government and Albania. But I, I've. I, I don't really know what it is. Um, I, I just because I. I just find it. I just find it ridiculous. I mean, I, I, um, Godfrey Bloom was on 
millennial wars last week on the the millennial thing and it's it's you know he he was saying like it, it how he would solve it and it was basically he'd send the royal navy they would go into the channel and they'd destroy the boats he'd put uh you'd get permission off the french government to use the sas to destroy all of the, the boats that's on the beach and then he'd round them all up kick them out of the hotels and send them back home it's as simple as that but it's it, it, it's really it's really not that difficult but it it's it's it becomes difficult when you've got this gigantic like bureaucratic machine which just doesn't want to listen and it doesn't want to do what the people want it to do even though like if you go back to uh, when the like 2010 the tories have been in power here forever and i think it was around 2010 they first got in after after labor had been in for a long time and um they were. They said they were going to reduce the the immigration to tens of thousands of people, and they haven't. They just consistently lied through their teeth, because. And they even call it for the British public. They even call it red meat. Now, what they mean is, if they 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 understand what the British public wants, and it's why they they'll dangle what they call red meat in front of them, which is to say that they're going to do these kind of based things they're going to be a little bit politically incorrect they're going to reduce immigration and they'll come out and he'll they'll pop up on the television and there'll be some press releases and but it's just it's just all nonsense it's it's just all it's just all it's just it's just it's all, all like a, skin. it's all a charade i think i wanted to, that's what i wanted to say this because um i i i, I was shocked when i seen that uh the ethnic um British are in minority in the three or four major cities. And I'm not sure, but in Ireland, I think we've got 20% non-nationals or something, which in my mind is manageable. But like the speed at which they're coming now, especially for, uh, since the Ukraine war, and it's not just the, it, it, that's a small screen as well. It, like uh, well, about seven or eight years ago, I came out and they said that they want to make our Ireland an island of 10 million people. So all it, like, if you go look back in time, everything that's happening now, has been on the agenda so this is war profiteering it's uh, human trafficking it's opportunism and um i think we're kind of maybe a little bit luckier over here in ireland that people are beginning to wake up because what you said there we we've reached capacity already because the, the, the government have never provided houses for the last two decades uh council houses are non-existent they, since the collapse of our economy in the celtic tiger they've been subsidizing uh, hotels, they've been subsidizing private landlords. So basically, you know, if you need a council house, you are uh, put into private rental accommodation. The government pays uh, 60% or 70% to your, your rent. So they've been propping up the banks that failed here in 2008 for the last two decades or decade and a half or whatever. Um, and now it's reached the crescendo where they've started to flood the place. There's not enough room to put them. The Irish people are waking up. And I think we're a bit luckier in the sense that, as I said, we've only 20% non-national. Like, we might be able to pull it back, but it's going to be an uphill battle. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the problem in the end is is the fact that we're ruled by scum. And I noticed that the the, the hate speech laws were coming in in Ireland. And it's it's kind of a... It's it's there's a temptation to kind of trip on that. They, what they're doing is laying. We've had them for years as well. I mean, originally Tony Blair brought in hate speech laws in Britain. People forget this. 
But when um, back then in the 2000s, what you had was all of these like uh, imams, these crazy imams in the mosques, and they were coming out with all this hellfire and fury about the the British people and all this. And um, so a lot of people were angry about it. Anjem Chowdhury and all of this crowd. Some there was one of them had like an eye patch and hooks on his hands and all of this. Uh, I don't know. You never hear of these people now, which is kind of weird, I think. Uh, but maybe I can get back to that later. But the uh, people on the right, sort of right wing types, they actually wanted the hate speech laws to come in because they were they were looking at it from a perspective that, well, you know, we're finally going to teach these people a lesson. And what actually happened is that the hate speech laws were turned like just as soon as the legislation got passed, as soon as late hate speech laws became a fact, they were just turned straight back onto the native British people themselves. So that then it became, well, you can't say this about that minority group or, and then it just kept expanding, expanding. So now it's the trannies, it's the gays, it's everybody. You can't, you just can't open your mouth. Um, but still, uh, like at the end of the day, the, the you, we can moan about th these groups, but the problem is the problem is the power structure itself. This is all this is happening, but because the people in charge are scum, and that's what you have to deal with. That's it's it's the power where the focus has to be. Um, and and I realize, and I did this for years as well about the grooming gangs and everything. And it's like you're kind of you're kind of like lashing at the tentacles and not actually going for the brain. And the 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 problem, if another way to put it, is that at the end of the day, we're supposed to live in liberal democracies, and we're not. There's nothing democratic about this. It's going directly against what the people wanted in Ireland or England or anywhere in the West. Whatever the public want is reduced immigration. We don't want all the politically correct stuff. We just want normal ways and a normal, decent standard of life. We're not extremists, you know. It's the government who are extreme. It's the elites who are completely insane. Um, and that's where, that's where like, attention has to be. It is on the power rather than, like, the, the, the clients. I'm reading a I'm reading a book at the moment uh, by Bertrand de Juvenel, just called On Power, and he traces back uh, it's it, like the history of power and how it works and how it functions, all all throughout the ages and and different ages and the the way that it always tries to spread itself and and there's this lack of um, he it's, he's not really looking at it in terms of ideology, but just in terms of power and how power works. And one of the things that you'll see in um, in the Middle Ages, when if you had a king, uh, the king, this is this is what the people also call the the high and low versus middle. And I thought it's interesting because he was pointing out that if you go back in the Middle Ages, you had the king, and then you had the nobility, and then you had the peasantry. And the standard way of framing that from a modern liberal perspective is that the king and the nobility were in cahoots together and they were pillaging the peasantry. That, that would be a kind of leftist, Marxist kind of look at it. Uh, and he is saying, no, that didn't actually happen at all. Because from the king's perspective, he is sovereign, he is, he is the power. But the no, his his he's got nothing to fear from the peasantry. What he's got something to fear from is the nobility, and so 
over time, what you saw was that the king would use the peasantry to undermine the nobility. So the nobility were having to look down because the newly enfranchised peasantry were, were demanding more and more from them because of the king. But then at the same time, they were looking up and it was the king who had sort of had his foot on their face. And I thought that's interesting because when you then transfer that to what we are doing, you can see where you've got the elites um, and they are bringing, they've created all of these client groups, essentially, and they use them as pawns to attack the middle, and the middle is the white people. So it, it's like the exact same sort of setup which is happening to us, and we are the ones in the middle who are being squeezed. So these, all of these different groups are, are, are basically, they are clients of power. Um, this is why the, the Muslims never took over. Uh, in the end, what ended up happening, you know, in, in the 2000s, there was this big scare that we're all going to be living under Sharia law by 2020. And then you actually get to like the 2020s and it's the never been so degenerate and godless and uh, liberal, if you like. Sorry, I just had a cough there. So, so I just had a cough there. So, so I was just going to say, like, what you, what you have, what, what the system is doing is creating for itself all of these client groups. And you can see that, that they, that's why they get special protection. I mean, in, I don't know if there's one in Ireland, but the, we've got the Equalities Act. So it's enshrined into law that these people are what they would call protected groups. And what they do, like say from the, the, like the juvenile's perspective, is, is that power is then formalizing the fact that it has client groups, which it's going to use against the, the, the white majority, essentially, in the same way that a king would use a peasantry against the nobility in the middle. And so when you look at the Equalities Acts or hate speech laws, it's formalizing that. And it's saying, these are my friends, and they are allowed to say whatever they want, but they have special protections. Like, literally, it's literally put that way, that they are protected groups. And what they do is use, like, lefty jargon. You know, they, they, it's all of this squid ink about equality and minority rights and all of the rest of it. In actual fact, this is not, this is ancient stuff. <laughs> this is this is just power enfranchising its client groups uh, in opposition to a group which, if it got its act together, would pose a threat. Yeah, that's, that's fascinating. Kind of the couple of things you touched on there. Like, it is very strange that uh, we had all this, like you said, uh, Adam Chowdhury, I remember him. He was going around uh, preaching hate on the streets against the indigenous population. All of that was a big, a big, probably a psyop now, the more we think back on it, because, you know, what, what, where's all that gone? And all those uh, rules then have been brought in, and now they're actually being used to uh, attack the indigenous population. I think that there was like 3,000 people I've seen in the UK last year had their doors knocked on because of a social media post. So if 3,000 people had their doors, or was it, no, 3,000 people went to court or around that. So if, if 3,000 people went to court, how many thousands had their doors knocked on that didn't go to court? Probably orders of magnitude more. And exactly what you said there, we're only getting that now where there'll be protected classes um, and protected groups. So basically, you come out of a bar um, and maybe a protected class person, you know, starts on you and uh, you give them a few gigs 
you you could realistically end up with a higher charge because now you know you didn't just hit a man you hit a black man or you didn't just hit or if you get where I'm coming from there's this you know there's, you get a higher sentence so the only not protected class here now in Ireland when this uh, bill comes in will be uh, white indigenous uh, natives everyone else will be somewhere you know that they're higher status to be here but you can't you can't I mean, open your mouth to them yeah, I mean, I'm I'm working on a, a, a big, much bigger project uh, behind the scenes, trying to wrap my head around all of this, um, which is in it's like a lot of written, a lot of writing I've done on it. And um, one of the things that you can, if you have a look at the the grooming gangs that we've had in in England, you, you when when you understand the power dynamics at play, which are which are the exact opposite of what the standard ship lib would say because they what they say like say uh, would be like institutional racism and white privilege and it doesn't exist it doesn't exist in a, they can't they can't point to a single piece of legislation or law where that exists but you can point to the equalities act and you can say well this is not written like this is actually law. Here it is. It's got its own Wikipedia page. You can find it in the courts. And because it's written in law, that means it's got the full force of power behind it. And so this this has serious ramifications for how a society is run. Because if a 14-year-old girl in Yorkshire goes into a police station and she's covered in blood, she's been battered, and she says she's been raped, and then she, the name that she gives is the name of a, a Pakistani or something, the problem that the police officer then faces uh, and the system in general is that they are now dealing with a client of power. They are there, it's so, and they know that he's protected. They know that that group is protected. But on the other hand, the 14-year-old the, the uh, English girl isn't. Like, again, in a healthy society, you, the the person who would be privileged, the person who would be protected as a as a client of power, would be the the young girl, and in in a traditional society, it kind of it would be like that. But what we are living in, like this this twilight zone, where all of the norms of society have been like inverted and turned inside out. So, in like if if in the most primitive, archaic of societies, um. Your your young females are your most precious resource because that's where the future of your tribe is going to be born. It's going to be it's it, there. Even if you want to be, you can think of it as being like a kind of sexist in a way, but nevertheless, they would be well well guarded by the men of of the the tribe because they, even you know because they're basically to be blunt about it, their wombs matter. <laughs> the, who has access to their wombs is of extreme importance to the tribe. And what that does is in the case of them being sexually abused by the outgroup, the outgroup would be wiped out. They'd be massacred. So this is why in primitive times, and I, I know I'm not, I'm talking strictly about the historic norms here. I don't do anything stupid or anything like that. This is, a, I'm talking about history. Um that's because nobody would disagree that that was the norm in history. Where we are today is where that is completely inverted. 
it's completely the opposite of what it should be, where now the the outgroup is protected. The outgroup gets to gets advantaged, and what should be your most precious resource is tra like trash. And this has been this this has just boggled the minds of people. Now, people on the one hand are saying, "Well, is it is it that the, all of the the Englishmen in these areas just became cooks?" And the, the, yeah, there's 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 truth to that. But it's also the case that the the, the communities have been atomized also through the ne neoliberal economics, which I could get into. But um, but what doesn't get discussed uh, is the fact that for the normal people they they are conscious of the fact that these outgroups are protected by power so when you when when what they fear is that well maybe maybe they'll come after us you know i mean the juvenile is he what is power at the end of the day and it's that which will be obeyed and if if it's written into legislation um and law that these people are protected groups then the, the, yeah the power will and does come down on their side so what you end up with is this bizarre situation that you've seen across england and places like rotherham and whatnot where the the the, the council workers and the, the 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 child's protection services and all of this they were like rabbits in the headlights they didn't know what to do because the 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 entire setup of this the, the setup of the system is there to protect the outgroup but here is an example of the outgroup behaving like beasts and the power structure is not there to back them up. And in fact, that also came from on high. Like, you know, what are we, we're going to have to hush it up. And like, I'm only using the the, the sort of the grooming gang situation to, to sort of uh, explain the, the way that like power's role in all of this which is which is outside of ideology because people will say well it's just about political correctness um which yeah it is but political correctness is is itself just a way to protect those client groups it it, it is itself just a top-down power play and it's it's interesting to look at it from this perspective i think i i agree with you there on that because just on what you said about uh, it resonates a lot like about the women you know you know historically they would be protected for all the reasons you said and if a, a tribe went in and they slaughtered the other tribe what's the they wouldn't kill the women they'd be up on their shoulders and they'd be gone bringing them on home you know um but in their cultures or in these cultures their women some of them are looking out through a letterbox you, you don't even know what they look like under their robes and um, god forbid if you you know if you cross the line there it's, it wouldn't be behind the door now in doing harm to you, you know, these these uh, cultures. But I think what you're touching on there, and I shared a book there uh, on the channel, I haven't actually got to read it all, so I'm not going to lie, but I've only started it. It's uh, Easy Meat, and it goes into what we're talking about here in uh, Rotterdam and that. These men were protected by these laws. From my, from my know, from historically looking at it, from the, the first chapter of the book that I've read, um, these men were well not that they were well, they were protected in the sense that the police were afraid to to say too much about it because you're going up against these protected classes and that's what i, I see going forward in uh, in ireland yeah it's it's so uh, it's it's kind of like the, the the civil rights uh in america which came in in 1965 
we we had something similar to that. I actually think the the real the real cancer in Britain came in a bit later. Um, Enoch Powell's I forgot what it was. The race in England it was the Race Relations Act in 1968, I believe, and it was that which Enoch Powell was um, so so openly and, and eloquently opposed to. Because he saw the writing on the wall, he saw what that meant. He understood law, you know, um, and he understood power, and he understood parliament and politics. So, when you write something in legislation like that, which specifically protects groups, and then you're going to start bringing more and more of those groups in, it's 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 there. Um, and and the, for me, it's the real the real poison came in with the Equalities Act. I mean, even in the, the 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 hate speech laws, you can see this as well. Like, this this is why this is one of the things um, to get sort of into the situation with Ireland is is that what you've noticed the reason you know it's malicious is because the what what the what the Irish government are doing. My, my dog's coughing in the background. <laughs> But what what's interesting about that is that so in Ireland the 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 government are bringing in just unprecedented numbers of foreigners, and they are at the same time bringing in these hate speech laws to shut people down talking about it. But you see the problem here is that they are doing that because they know the people don't want all of the foreigners coming in. And so this raises some uncomfortable questions. Basically, like, what the fuck are these people doing? Because that means they are conscious of the fact that what they are doing runs straight in the face of what the people who put them there and pay their wages I, I, want to do. Margot, I, Margot, I go further there. I go further there. I think it's more sinister. Because it's not that they know we, we don't want them all coming in, because Ireland's actually really welcome in there, but we're an island of feckin' agents, right? So that we don't have, the, the majority don't see where this goes, right? What they see is, they see the data that come out of Sweden, and they've seen the data that come out of Rotterdam, and they know that our women are going to be raped and attacked, and they know that we're going to have exponential sex crime increase, and they don't want us to be able to call it out. They want you to say, a, a, a man taxi driver molested 25 women in Dublin. They don't want you to say a man of X, Y, and Z descent. And that's incredibly dangerous. And I think that's what happened in Rotterdam. Yeah. So it, it's it's malice of forethought. They are, it, like, if it was a game of chess, they are removing your bishop and your knight uh, and five of your pawns, and then they are putting all of that, they're putting you in uh, like check and then they're saying, okay, let's play the game now. And they're going to call this liberal democracy. I mean, th this is another sort of interesting thing about the, the, the kind of power analysis is that what the elites call what we've got now uh, a liberal democracy. And it's it's not liberal because everybody's being censored. And the, 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 it, even on a, a deeper level, which touches on the, the, the sort of the technocratic uh, kind of you know, the World Economic Forum, kind of all of that side of it, the, 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 the surveillance grid that they're bringing in, the actual rights of the individual are just being flushed down the toilet. So even even if you, even like on a core kind of principle of liberalism, which is the sanctity of the rights of the individual, well, that's not there either. You don't have free speech. Your vote doesn't matter because the, the parliaments are corrupt. 
So what you've got is something which calls itself a liberal democracy, like like a like a, a friend of mine, Oren McIntyre, says. Like you've got some kind of entity wearing liberal democracy as kind of like a skin suit. It, it's it's there's something else inside it. And now you could say it was always the case. You could always you could say that um, we whatever liberal democracy is, we've never had it. What what you actually had was what power wanted at the time. So in, in say the, the days of the British Empire, you had uh, free market economics, laissez-faire economics, and all of this, a lot of freedom so that people could spend and move around. But that wasn't because it was so much a liberal principle, but because that was beneficial to those in power. And now that they've got all of this technology and all of these gadgets, they've they've decided like to completely, like liberally great reset the society at all levels, at all angles, but they're still gonna call it liberal democracy. It's it's like if you go back, our society is you know, if you we, we call this a liberal democracy in 1950, and in 2022, like we still call it a liberal democracy. But the system is as different as, say, East Germany was before and after communism. The, 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 the way we actually live is so fundamentally altered and changed. But the, the trick, which, which is why it's like it, it, it bedazzles everybody, is that, is that for the masses, all of the normies well the name didn't change so you know um and and when we get to vote we can still pretend that we've got kind of power we can always like you know we can always kick the tories out and then and then it's like later back again it's just the same thing over again so the, what i what i want to do is just completely shatter people's faith in this system um and and question it at its core at its core fundamentals but the, the, the um, in, rather than um, sort of constantly moaning about the immigrants themselves, because that, to go back to what I was saying earlier, is a bit like moaning about the peasants when the, your problem is the king. Yeah, that's that, that's a hundred percent. You need it. We need to put the the target over or the sights over target. Uh, you done a good video there about. Uh, was it a month ago about uh, the West, uh, an elephant on stilts, or is the West an elephant on stilts? What's your perspective? Do you, like, I, look, I'll tell you my perspective. I think, and it's, uh, maybe I'm wrong, and tell me if I'm wrong. I think the West needs to go down a notch. I think America needs to retreat back within its borders, and I, and then I think we might actually get some get some change. But also, I wanted to say as well that I was reading a book there. Last week, the week four, it's called uh, "Gay Berlin: uh, the the Modern Start of Identity" or something to that uh, effect. And just before um, the National Socialists rose to power in Germany, the decadence that was going on there, the the gay scene, the transvestite scene, it was the absolute jewel in the crown of global homo. Right before uh, the National Socialists rose to power, and it just reminded me of today, like you know, so. Yeah, well, we're we're way way past Weimar conditions in the West that we have we have been uh, for a long time. The the problem, the, like as you, you kind of alluded to there, the problem is America. Um, the problem is that we are, in geopolitical terms, America's clients, and and everything that we see is like 
has the whiff of America or all to be more specific, the American money power and the American deep state. It's it's why we see in 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 say in in um, Britain, like we've we've got lots of people from India and Pakistan, but we we don't have that many black people. But if you see the adverts, like it's all black people. It's it's it's. A, it, I mean, it, you know, if you want to play this game of representation, if I was like a Sikh or a Hindu in britain I'd, I'd feel pretty sick because you don't actually get very much representation because all you ever see on the television are black people um and, and especially the the black man white woman combo in adverts but what i think is interesting about that is that it's actually america kind of replicating itself all over the world like pr departments and massive corporations they, they haven't kind of calculated in that it's actually different like in germany there's more turks or, or this kind of thing in 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 france there's more north africans who are more arab or berber uh, instead what we get is just black people because that's what's in america and it's like replicates itself like a virus in all media across the west um even to the point where we get all of that like black lives matter stuff as well I mean, that he has a perfect example of a client group of power. The, the, in, in 2020, at the height of lockdown, at the absolute peak of the COVID scare, of the scamdemic um, and lockdown, uh, you just so happened that there was the election season going on in America. And then out of the blue, uh, there was that huge uh, George Floyd thing, and then they were literally came out. They were well funded, and it was just this unbelievable campaign of black worship, and and then like the, like burning whole parts of cities down, and getting away with it. I, I would have called the army out, and I would have had people shot on sight for that. You you've got to protect your, your city, but no, they got away with it, and and you they got away with it because again, um, they 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 were a client of power. They they were part of the power structure. They wanted them to do that, and that's the scariest thing because you think, well, where will they draw the line on this? Because during those riots, people uh, people were being shot. White people were being uh, shot at and chased down the streets, and there was murders. And and and, and that what happens there? Well, then a few months later, you see uh, the the supposed like insurrection. Now this time, they weren't friends of of the deep state of of the power structure. They weren't a client. I think it was a bit of a, a gay up. I think they were tricked. But then you see after it, like they're going to jail and just being rounded up, left, right, and centre. It's they're really to they they're getting that kind of Guantanamo style treatment put on them, because that that's that that they are seen as a genuine enemy and not just this kind of bunch of goons who are on their own payroll, like Black Lives Matter are, or or these these eco these eco people who paint themselves to uh, glue themselves to pressure works of art and hold up the traffic and all of this like you you and people say how do they get away with it you know and yeah they get away with it because they are the power structure it's 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 just like a conversation between the, the, the it's a, it's just like the power structures holding up a you know a puppet on its hand talking to it um it's 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 so obvious as well 
And and I think what unnerves me, which is what I've been writing about recently, is just the general weirdness of of having to live with this just obvious lies, you know, like like in the Soviet Union. It's a cliche to say it, but if anything, it's probably even worse because I think there was more red-pilled people in the Soviet Union than what there is in the West. There's so many kind of woke libtards just buy into all of this. Because because they they enjoy being able to bully people. They enjoy the, there's a, a term I came across, and it was like they call it normie sadism, and it's it's when when you kind of enfranchise the normie to torment people and bully them because he knows, uh, you know, going back to what I was saying with Rotherham, he knows that he's got the power and backing him up, so he can make your life a misery. You know, like like like, like one of those kind of ape-like Wojak memes where they're just these dumb, conformist, vindictive shits making our lives a misery, not knowing like the true damage that they're doing to society, you know? A hundred percent. It's like a child, uh, like a child in school that we're all probably in that situation would have the bigger brother or they have the lunatic father. It's like they can pick on you and bully you, but, you know, in the back of your mind, you know, if I say anything back or, you know, if I fight back here, I'm going to have this lad's father in here you know going mentioned in the school or you know it's, it's the same type yeah that yeah it's it, it, it's so primitive as well like if i if i stand up to this goon um yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna have to i'm gonna be i'm gonna be persecuted by the state that's that's what we're in and this is why that's, I was... that's what they want to cultivate though that, that's actually exactly what they want to cultivate they want you to be constantly afraid to speak or afraid to you know, they want you constantly regulating yourself and checking yourself. And you touched on communism there, and communism is the last place they want to be, and I think we're, we're heading towards it. But, like, the Soviet Union were there, like, Russia is still Russian, Ukraine is still, you know, well, it's in bits now, but it's still Ukraine, and the Soviet bloc, Hungary is still Hungary, Poland is still Poland. It's not a melting pot, and uh, you know what I mean? So as bad as it was, they didn't do to the people what, they, what, what these bastards are doing to us now. Yeah, it's like Jonathan Bowden said, um, com communism breaks the body, but liberalism rots the soul. And there's there's a lot of truth in that, especially because we don't really like we don't really know what liberalism is. I mean, I, I, if you go to the Wikipedia page, you can you, you can see what liberalism is on on, on the tin, like well, what it's supposed to be. Um, but we don't have that now. <laughs> so what is it? What are we living under? I, 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 people, it's, it's one thing to kind of slag off uh, liberalism, but liberalism in, in sort of uh, Victorian England was like would be considered as extreme white supremacy by today's standards. I mean, they were literally like eugenicists. They were um, this. They were actually that's actually where sort of scientific racism was born where they were like actually looking at skull sizes and all of this now they were doing that on on a kind of liberal premise of looking at the the data and in a kind of typical anglo way like reducing everything to a spreadsheet and saying well yeah there's all this these facts here about differences with groups um, and it, like, this, like, it's just the truth. I, I can't do anything about it. When you get into the post-war era, all of that's out the window because of you know events on the continent. Um, 
but and yet it's it's so the the kind of the the scientific inquiry thing that was flushed down the toilet you can't go there you can't talk about iq differences or anything because well that would go against the core one of the core premises of the post-war meta-narrative so that was the the the, the science was an early one that got flushed and that, that's when you, in like in America and elsewhere, you begin to get these special exemptions coming in for certain groups because we, they can't be explained by the science anymore because we've done away with that. I mean, James Watson, who they discovered the genome, he I think about 10 years ago, he won a Nobel Prize. And he said there's, there's biological reasons why Africa uh, can't, can't become Sweden basically. Uh, and they stripped him of everything. They destroyed his career. He ended up having to sell his, his Nobel Prize a few years ago because he was just flat broke. So the, the, uh, this is when um, you get into the, the COVID era. I knew by then that science was compromised. All of this stuff about trust the experts, I, because I was uh, I, I was aware of, of like how it had been compromised in other areas, I was thinking, well, it's probably compromised here as well, and especially when you bring in big money, like big, big money as well. So it, so the, the, the point that I'm making here is that even the empirical nature of getting to the truth through liberalism, that's gone as well. You don't, so uh, along with the democracy, along with the free speech, along with the individual rights, unless it's, it's a, like a negative degenerate right. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point, and that's I wanted to make that point. It's like um, the denial of science. It, it, it was the COVID was the a coming out party for uh, the denial of logic and denial of science. Like if you look at the science, the IQ research and all that stuff, uh, sub-Saharan Africa transferred. Then and you're thinking, you know, it makes sense that you wouldn't import the third world into the first world. It's fairly glaring science. But then on the other side, of that you don't even have to be a scientist. You just have to look at uh, Chicago, uh, and I know it's different over there. They were they, those people didn't want to be brought to America, or whatever. But you can look at Chicago, Chicago, you can look at inner city New York, you can look at inner city London, you can look at Sweden, you can look at Belgium, you can look at France, and then you, without any science background whatsoever, and realize mass immigration from the third world is a really bad idea. But um, in Ireland here, we're, we're behind. We're about maybe 15, 20 years behind the mass immigration that he experienced in the UK, our government, that's, that seems to be beyond them. They can't look to France, they can't look at the historical USA, they, they can't look at the actual real science or the, the, the research. It's And then I think the coming out party was the COVID-19 or the whole, you know, don't don't read science. You know what I mean? Trust trust the science, as they say, but the science changes on a day-to-day -day basis. Don't yeah, go any further and, than that. And, and be, because, because, like, they can't like use science anymore, then they have to. There's there, then there's certain problems which pop up. Like again, this is specific to America, but you can see that it just it it's like a virus that just replicates itself into our countries as well. So in the American academia, they've got poverty, high poverty rates. They've got violent crime. They've got uh, fatherlessness and all of all of these social problems with their uh, black community. There's, there's there's certain ways that that can be explained, but they've been ruled out now, so can't, can't use that, can't go there. Okay, so how do we explain it? Well, it uh, just so happens that there's this, like, 
you know, like Jacob Finkelstein here on, on, on Harvard University, he's produced this gigantic paper, and it's all about how the in, it's institutional racism. They're all being kept down. Um, it's white privilege theory. Basically, it's your fault. And we're going to have to give them affirmative action. We're going to have to just waft them into all of these universities with quotas. We're going to have to give them all of this money. Um, we're going to have to create a client group so we can rely on them, especially the Democrats, for the votes, of course. But what they've then done is create themselves a nice new little client group that can be weaponized and used against the middle. Um, and then in the case of Ireland, it's 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 kind of strange because all of this has has unfolded in America over the course of decades, um, and and you can see that they've kind of nipped it and tucked it themselves and worked it through themselves, and then in Britain a little bit, uh, you know, we've had it for a while as well, but the end result is where you get all of this kind of Marxian garbage, what what they would call woke and all of this. Um, and, and the island has gone from being like no immigration really uh, to a mass immigration, but then also you're going to get the whole bundle of of like sort of cultural Marxist bullshit, which comes along to explain all of the problems. So <laughs> you're going to get the the, the problem is going to be introduced, but then all of the lies to explain the problems that you're going to get are coming with it as well, all in one toxic bundle. Well, it, it, it definitely, to me, the more it goes on, I know it's conspiratorial. It seems to me that there's a, a concerted effort to take down ethnic white European people, or the West, because you can look at Japan, you can look at China, you can look at other places, they're allowed to keep their ethnic identity. And uh, the more this goes on, and even what's going on with this pandemic, this scamdemic that's been on over the last two years, it seems that we are under attack here. We're at, we're at quiet weapons for silent wars. We're actually at war. That's my opinion. We are. We're, we're under attack on all sides. Um, and and it's this is kind of like well I've been beating the drum on on this little chat. It's like we've got to keep focus on the power because they're going to want you to look at this and look at that. And it's like no, it, 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 the problem is power. Um, we need a way desperately. If people are always, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And it's difficult to find an answer because we're in this horrible situation. And. What what um I mean I literally did a video like exploring this like okay what are we gonna do what are the realistic options and um, one of the things that I I, I want is to have uh, the we are supposed to be running I get it gets back to the point about liberal democracy um, we we are supposed to be the ones who are in charge and nobody's voting for anything. And nothing, none of the climate stuff, none of the mass immigration, the hate speech laws, the the, the World Health uh, Organization's forced jab policies, which are kind of brewing away in the bowels of it. All of this stuff is not voted for. It's not democratic. Now, what the conversation has to come where we say, look, are we living in democracies or not? If we're not, then just come clean about it, okay? Take off the skin suit and let us see, like, what is it? What are we, what what is happening here? 
Um, like, let's just dispense with the bullshit. Make them come clean about what it is. Do we have sovereignty or not? If not, then we're not living in a liberal democracy, then are we? When what are we then living in? Um, and that it's something like this that has to happen, because the 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 problem is the illusion that we're kept in, where you can vote people out and it'll change things, and it won't. Yeah, um, 100%. Uh, I think that, that veil is going to slip here in Ireland very, very soon because uh, I, I don't know, did your mic break out there or are you, are you back? I've just, I'm, I'm just talking a lot, so I, got, I, I kept having a cough. I was going to say, um, what's actually happening is, um, <clears throat> what's actually happening is the West is being terraformed. Did you ever see the Man of Steel? The, came out about seven or eight years ago the Henry Cavill when he was man of the Superman. Well, anyway, what happened was General Zod uh, released these giant kind of claw type things, which which came into the Earth, and the idea was that they were going to turn Earth into Krypton. So you got these giant, they called them world engines, which started just pummeling the Earth to change its atmosphere, change its gravity. So the, 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 all of the sort of reality of the world and its physics, everything was just being terraformed to recreate something else. That's what they're doing. That's what's happening in the West. Uh, that, that's why it's so unsettling and there's so many different things which seem to be going wrong at the same time. Uh, they're terraforming it, and they, 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 people think it's a bit cringe, but they, they literally came out and said uh, it's the Great Reset, or as they were saying, build back better, which has dropped out of fashion. But they've got big plans, They're a complete overhaul of how we live. The 15-minute cities, the surveillance, the, 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 the social credit, all of that, all of it's coming in. I mean, what surprised me was that I, I didn't see why mass immigration would play such a big role in that, but it seems that that's part of it as well. In the neoliberal, standard neoliberalism, I got it because they wanted more producers and consumers. They wanted the line on the graph to go up and up and up all of the time. But like it's so at least I thought, okay, we may be living in like a gigantic digital gulag, but at least uh, we'll start, like, at least the immigration will be reduced, especially because they're so obsessed with energy and carbon reduction and green stuff. But no, uh, immigration's actually higher than ever, and I presume it's just to, to break the back of the, the, the sort of the component of, of uh, the state on, on how, it, how it works. So what you end up with is, is just, like, a, a mass of uh, individuals being surveyed with no common bonds whatsoever, because this is a, that's also a problem for for power. Is that if, if you... social cohesion? They're trying to break down the the social yes. cohesion, the bonds between the people in Ireland. They're after announcing uh, that they're going to pilot basic income, and they're going to uh, increase the lowest band of tax up to forty percent. Uh, the highest band of tax is already nearly sixty percent. Um, 
and they want to bring in a basic income and along with all these these outsiders so i i think we're we're tipping to where this is all goes like if you have skin in the game you own your own property um you're an independent person you're not going to want all this uh, yellow and nothing and be happy pseudo communism or whatever the hell they're bringing in but if you bring in a basic income that's another perverse incentive for every Tom, Dick and Harry to leave every part of the globe and descend on your fucking, into your country. And um, they're going to readily accept uh, housing for all, the degrading of uh, property rights, um, and they're going to have the handout for, for the basic income. And obviously then we know it's going to be tied into a central bank digital currency. It's not even uh, cash at that point, or it's not even money at that point, it's a voucher. And the government will decide where you spend it, how you spend it, how long it lasts in your wallet, etc. And I think get their policies in, maybe that's apart from there's other yeah. have other suspicions, but I think that could be part. One of the worst of it is, I mean, it used to be where the the government, especially like left wing governments, they they wouldn't um they wouldn't always see eye to eye with corporations. I mean, funny enough, it's the neoliberal kind of cooked parties on the right which have been worse for that. But if you look at, say, um, Jeremy Corbyn, like they were just not going to let Jeremy Corbyn become prime minister. They pulled out all the stops. He, Jeremy Corbyn faced just as much uh, uh, hostility from the, the media and everything as, as uh, probably Nick Griffin did of the bnp back in the day it was or, or iraq powell and yet he's a lefty he he loves immigrants he's totally wet on like oh, horrible on all of the, those issues but the problem was that uh, b- besides the anti-zionism which was a big bigger element to it there was something else and that was that he's an old school socialist and what what they what what's actually happening is that the theme that you'll hear all of the time is this public private partnership. So if it, to go back to like sort of power structures, um, in the past you you if you think of it where you would have say the king, but then you may also have the church. So you got one one center of power was was at odds with another one, and you would find an equilibrium. It's it's a like further complication of what I was saying earlier about the nobility and, and the peasants. If you put the church into that, which was a power in its own right in the Middle Ages, you then find that there's something to offset the, the center of power. And that, that's where you get there's been a lot of sort of uh, friction and hostility, which is good because you can take a side of one against the other. It was kind of similar um, for a lot of the time with corporations where you you could well let's just vote for this left-wing party and tax them or all of this um and and you would actually have uh, particularly on the left people who didn't want to privatize everything they they, uh, they they wanted to keep the trains or the water supply or electric grids and it should they were right it should be nationalist it should be nationalized but when you get to the the public private partnership where they're, they're all in bed with each other now there's now power is just completely hegemonic and you'll find that there's it's very difficult to find now when you're when you're dealing with the government and when you're dealing with a corporation there's almost no difference anymore they, they've they've kind of merged into this like dystopian 
super monster, which is just and all it wants to do is is monitor you and know what you're thinking and know how much meat you're consuming and all. It's 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 the worst system you can imagine. But you know, if you you talk to the average woke tar on the street, it's still just a liberal democracy. Yeah. I think he's fell Sorry, there, your, your mic's gone a bit off. Yeah, no, uh, that, that's it exactly. Um, yeah, uh, what do you make of the the, the whole Corbyn thing? Because like he he did make he was seem to be saying the right things. They cut started framing of an anti-Semite. Like you're not an anti-Semite because you're against you know Israel bombing the shit out of Palestinians. But only that makes you an anti-Semite. No, it is. It doesn't. But that's that's what they'd call them anyway. And and in those circles, you've got um, he 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 was pro Palestine. He was pro on very good terms with Iran. So he was on very good. He he's in a particular camp on the left. George Galloway is there as well. Um, where they're, they're old school socialists, and they are they're what they are against. Then that some some of them actually will come out. And say some kind of base things about, uh, well, they wouldn't say Jews; they'd say Zionists, but they'd get it, and they'd also understand that they'd, like Washington's basically run by neocons, um, and all you know, in the the, the the War Department, the State Department, the Pentagon, the neocons, all of this, um, they they were onto that; they understood that. Of what was going on they understood the connection with america's foreign policy and israel interests in the middle east um so so it was dangerous they didn't want him anywhere near that and of course they slandered him in the 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 press because if he became british prime minister it would be the end of the sacred kind of relationship where britain is is, is just does whatever america wants where like best buddies going around the world and getting up to all kinds of shady shenanigans like what they've been doing in Ukraine. So Corbyn would have been against all of that. Um, and yeah, they didn't. So what they did was call him an anti-Semite and they, all of that was just press slander. But in reality, they just didn't want him anywhere near uh, leave as a power in Britain because of the, because of that issue, but then also because the socialism meant he'd be going after the banks and the corporations as well. So that yeah. Corbyn represented a, 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 actually quite a, a grave threat, even though he's just this kind of, on, on social terms, you know, he loves the trans, he loves the blacks, he's all, all that's like just wishy-washy nonsense. He's, he's as cooked as he can get. But uh, on a couple of other issues, he was quite the problem for them. Oh, 100%, yeah, because I, 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 I suppose I was a bit more naive back then when all that was going on. I've kind of, between this whole pandemic and the, the whole lot that went on, my worldview, well, I, I suppose as everyone gets older, your worldview changes anyway. You kind of wake up to the to the nonsense and the lies. Like, I remember Obama coming in there and it's all change. And I was only in my mid-20s or early 20s. Or I, I think it was mid, I don't know, whatever. But, I was, you know, you kind of whipped up with it. But very quickly you realize like what did they do for the african americans nothing and you just see through their bullshit and yeah and i've seen through a lot of bullshit um even in my own country here um we had the collapse there the Celtic tiger you have people saying oh vote Sinn fein and i say Sinn fein you know at the time i was naive and i realized after a while 
There's about three core issues in this country that any power, any party could have come to power. Go against the property tax, go against the water tax, go against universal uh, social charge on your wages. And any party, if they had just said those three things, any party would have come to power. And not one of them would do it. And I knew the ancient fame were, were sell out pieces of shit. You know what I mean? Your the veil falls from your eyes. Would yeah. you stand in or go on to if you want to respond on No, yeah, I was just agreeing with you. Hundred percent. What do you make? This is before because I know we're, I'm looking at the time here, and I, I meant to get to this question. Do you think there's a shift in the deep state um, regarding to Elon Musk's takeover of Twitter? I'm not saying I look the man wants to put wires in your brain. I, I take everybody on when they're doing something good. I'd say you know happy days, but I'm, I'm not naive. The bigger picture of Elon Musk. But uh, do you think there's a deep state move going on here between Elon Musk, Kanye West? And maybe some other factions. Do you think there's something going on there in the back? Yeah, I, well, I'd, 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 I'm certain that the deep state would prefer that he wasn't in charge of Twitter, just just because of what he's releasing. I don't. I, there's. I understand. You know, there's there's say like conspiracies and stuff, but there's certain things which they just don't want, like those Twitter files. I mean, the latest one, I've kind of dropped out of it. I'm waiting for the one on COVID and Fauci. But the the one that I that's come out now is that basically the FBI was just running Twitter. <laughs> the, the FBI was, they, they, they even had like special Zoom calls and workout sessions where FBI agents, high-level FBI agents would just rock up to Twitter HQ and go sitting behind the computer and start banning people and faffing about with the algorithms. They don't want that being released. Um, and I think what Musk is, like, besides the fact that he is is not our friend when you look at what he's up to, and by, like, the fact that Twitter is, like, in terms of gathering data, Twitter is an absolute gold mine. So Musk may play a game on the, you know, populism and free speech and everything. But when you get into the the all of these apps and uh, the, the the surveillance systems and all of the data, all of those arguments and conversations are that's that's gold. Like that that is absolute gold, and he wants that. I think. But that aside. Um, what he represents, in my view, is there's things happening with technology, um, which I think kind of older centers of power are struggling to keep up with and understand. Um, it could be that what you're seeing is something like after the Industrial Revolution in, in England, you got these like sort of um, factory owners and uh, people, people, industrialists from the north all of a sudden, they because of this new technology, because they had invested in coal mines or whatever, they become very, very wealthy. Uh, so wealthy that they actually began to outshine the aristocracy, the the, the old blue blood uh, aristocracy, mainly in the south. So you do get that there is there is these emergent systems. You know, things do kind of change organically, and it always becomes a question of whether the dominant power of the moment. Can hang on to its hegemony or not, and that's the struggle we're seeing play out with Musk. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I'd agree with a, a lot of what you said there. Um, yeah, and it's absolutely ridiculous what went on with the FBI. They actually 
the, the team, there's team software, I think it's Slack, Slack Social or something, which means you can, um, uh, teams can coordinate within industry or within business or whatever. And uh, the FBI had had a Slack connected to Twitter. That they could, you know, exactly like you said. And also the PED Twitter, I think it's 3.8 million. The FBI PED them 3.8 million so that they could uh, manipulate the, the, the stuff. And if you go back to what Twitter started as, as a lot of these, then let's say a bit like with YouTube, I'm, I wouldn't say Facebook, but you, you got, I mean, Jack Dorsey, he is this kind of Gen X libertarian kind of, the, you know, the, the, the older internet kind of idealism where it's like, oh man, this is going to be so great. We're going to free human consciousness, man. And in the early days, I think that's probably what he did think Twitter would be. It would be this new sort of bright future that's ahead of him. But then, of course, over time, it became um, where all of the, the discussion about politics was taking place with Trump arriving on there and, and becoming president on it, mainly because of it. So as always, you know, then the power decided that we're going to have to take an active role in this because this is getting out of our control. So once again, it seeks to expand its influence. Um, and, and this, this is, I did an article about this on on the Substack uh, about, about how power and Twitter like intersect with each other. And you can see that it it went in there, and uh, you know all of this has got nothing to do with ideology. It's not because they're all Marxists. Um, all of this kind of thing. I mean, they will be like insufferable kind of politically correct twats. There's no doubt about that. But what really happened was that um, the, the deep state went in there and was like, well, we need a way to get rid of Trump because Trump wasn't in power. He, he was just a pretender. And that's why he could never get anything done. If You know, it was all just a bit of a farce. It's the, 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 I think they, they, they would have used Trump as um, a provocateur. I don't think they wanted him in, but it kind of suited their thing because Obama had stoked up the right. Trump came in then and inflamed the left. Um, I don't know, the whole thing just smells of a, a psyop. The whole thing, even like Elon Musk, he's running around at Halloween wearing his Antichrist uniform of Baphomet in the front of it. Um, you've got yeah running around yeah. raising issues. I just I don't know what's going on, but there's something yeah, it's, there. It's all it's all it's all surreal. It's all uh, yeah, and and it's it's also like you wake up and every day there's something new happening. Um, the year thing already seems to be kind of slipping out of the, 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 the you know out of the consciousness a little bit. Uh, maybe maybe I don't know where he's going to find. A platform which is big, you know. I don't know if Joe Rogan will get him on or what's going to happen, but eventually, um, I mean, this is what happens is he'll just not get reported on, and, and it'll become more and more obscure, you know. In the same way that the Elon Musk's uh, Twitter files are hardly getting any attention off the mainstream press at all. I mean, the stuff which has been revealed on Biden's laptop and everything is absolutely outrageous. But and if you had like a functioning system where the media was actually doing what it's supposed to do, then, um, you know, there would heads would be rolling. It would be this huge scandal. 
But the, the problem that we've got is like what happened with Twitter uh, is that everything has been captured. Everything, everything is in ownership of the power structure and they will craft the narratives that they want. So you end up in this really like weird, uh, high, highly high strange is this term that I learned earlier in the year, which I've been writing about, where things feel off. But you, you you struggle for a language to kind of describe it, you know. I mean, I did a I did a um, I did, I did an article the uh, recently on the Substack last week or the week before, where in in the summer there was a really nice uh, girl knocked on the door from St John's Ambulance, and she said, um, "Do you know where your nearest uh, defibrillator was?" Uh, and she said, "You know, can you give me a minute?" I said, "Go on, I'll give you two. And she said, do you know where the nearest defibrillator is? And I said, no. Uh, I said, is that that Zappa thing for heart attacks? And she said, yeah. And then she pulled out her phone and it had like a Google Maps thing on. And she's like, um, well, it's there. And she pointed up the street to where it was. And I was, and she says, well, do you want to contribute? Because we're going to try and put one on every street corner in the country with by 2024. And I was like, hang on, what? So... Like why? And then she was like, "Well, because you know, if if somebody gets to you within thirty seconds of a heart attack uh, with a defibrillator, you've got like seventy percent chance that you'll pull through." And I was like, "Okay, okay, I I'm not, I get that, I get that, but why now? Like, why is that all of a sudden this kind of military grade operation to get defibrillators within five minutes of everybody in the country?" And she was like, "Well, it's just it's just safety." I was like, so what changed in the last few years? That we've gone from a situation where we didn't really see them anywhere, and now there's this massive effort, and the government's bought forty thousand of them. Like, what, what, what? Eh, why, why now? Is do you not think something might have changed? Or, and she, and it was like, you you know where I'm going with all of that, um, and it was just this kind of thing. Well. Is it? Is it related to the vaccine? I don't know, because you're never told anything. You're not given the truth. So you walk around in this kind of surreal days where you don't know what's up and what's down or what's truth and what's fiction. Exactly. There, That's the nail on the bloody head. I'm going around here the last three years, and, and I think it's done on purpose. It's that they're lying. We know they're lying. They know that we know that they're lying. And they allow these big gaps where your mind can run off to the worst conspiracies, be it with the, the jabs, be it with the immigration, be it with everything. I think that that's how they like it. They want to keep us off guard. And I think the takeaway from what you said tonight, very, very important. We need to move the site to where the problem is, and that's the, the power structure. And um, I think that's a good note to uh, finish on because we're here, we're after going over time. Well, it was a great conversation, Morgan. I don't think we take right. any questions tonight, unless Patricia has a question or two. We leave it at that then because we're after going over time. Thanks a million right. for coming on, Morgan. You're, you're a wealth of information and knowledge. Thanks a million. All right. Thanks a lot. Yeah, I just have one question. I just want to know Morgoth's opinion of Richard Dice, leader of leader of uh, the Reform Party in the UK. I just wanted to know what his opinion of him is. I I I couldn't really say. I don't know anything about him. I've seen his name pop up more and more 
Um, and the, you, you've got these little, there's a little gaggle of parties popping up um, in, in, in Britain now, which are to the right of the Tories. Um, and, and Richard Tace runs that one. And I, I, I really couldn't say it. I mean, generally speaking, the, the problem that I've got with these parties that pop up is that they tend towards libertarianism. Now, I'm all for having more freedom in this current environment. But I, I dislike this kind of worship of free market capitalism um, because the logic of that always leads to open borders. Um, and I, 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 this this kind of obsession, this kind of Daniel Hannah neoliberal style Toryism is just cancerous and I despise it. Um, and this is my worry. And so I, I can't really say anything on Richard Tice because I don't I don't know. Thank you. That's great. Yeah. Um, th th thanks very much for coming on the chat tonight. I really appreciate everything that you've done and you've been so gracious and given us so much time. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, take care now. Thanks a million, Maura. Yeah, thank you, Maura. We'll, we'll, we'll...